Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Tom Finn Podcast. As always, thanks to everyone for listening so far and sharing and everything like that. Remember that the podcast is not only available on SoundCloud, but also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, YouTube, etc, etc. But for now, episode 6's guest is Natalie Reed. Natalie is a VFX producer for DNEG, formerly known as Double Negative, a VFX studio based in London, which is where we actually recorded the podcast. Uh, they create visual effects for TV and film. Natalie has been involved in many projects, including Ex Machina, Free Fire, Altered Carbon, and Sherlock, The Abominable Bride, which she won an Emmy for. We discussed that the benefits of visual effects for TV and film, and the criticism that it receives. I also ask a question that I thought I would never ask. So please enjoy this conversation with Natalie Reed. So do people call it DNEG? DNEG is kind of like the, the sort of common way of, of explaining. Uh, describing the company, but Double Negative is was the original name. Yeah. Right, and um, and we're here, and it's a VFX studio. Yes, visual effects VFX. Yeah. Right, and uh, you're a VFX producer. Is that right? I am indeed. Yes. So what does that actually mean? Are you in charge, or are you in charge of small teams? <laughs> I mean, not yes and no. Um, right. So you have a sort of a team of people. Say you have a project. Um, and you have a team of people kind of at the top you'd have uh, the producer and the supervisor so the visual effects supervisor and the visual effects producer and they kind of work in tandem together to deliver a project Um, essentially above that you do have execs as well that kind of oversee the department and that project when needed Um, but yes in sort of layman's terms myself and a supervisor would run a project okay and I have lots of questions to do with that but I think Let's go back okay. to the very beginning. So are you from London? Um, I'm actually from Reading, um, right. but I studied in London and uh, subsequently work in London. Um, okay. That seems to be where the work is for visual effects, although it is a sort of expanding industry and there are lots of other places now. Mm. Um, but the main sort of work is here in London. And were you, did you have like a creative upbringing? Were your parents creative in any way? No, not really. Um, but I had parents that um, very much kind of, Whatever your dream was and you wanted to do, they they kind of encouraged that. So, oh, okay. Um, Did you ever have the like, oh, you need to have a backup plan conversation, or was it just not yeah, really? Do what you want? I think that's that's what's great. I'm very grateful to my parents. Is that whatever they you know we wanted to do, my parents supported it. Like my sister wanted to be an astronaut, for right. example, and they didn't say, okay, yeah, whatever, you know. Mm. Um, they pushed her and they sort of put her, in, you know, suggested she does physics and all this kind of thing. And the same for me, they. They supported my career um, and any kind of after school activities I wanted to do, drama school, that kind of thing. They, yeah, they supported me. Right. I think that's a good thing to hear. Um, I know lots of people I've interviewed so far have that sort of thing where it's just, yeah, do what you want. Because for some reason, anything creative is seen as as too, um, too hard of a goal. To, yeah, to, to or unrealistic kind yeah, of goal. Yeah, yeah. Which was, I don't really understand why that's the case. I think people worry because creative doesn't, they don't see it as an academic career. They might not see it as uh, as a lucrative career. So right. I think maybe people always try and steer, steer your way to a proper job and mm. one that's going to pay the bills. Um, where really, I think if you 
if successful in this industry, it can be well paid as well. So. Yeah. It's strange because as well, I mean, the world is built from creatives, like say the builder we're in now, without creatives, we, it wouldn't be designed the way it is. It wouldn't run the way it is. So I don't know. I get really annoyed with yeah. that whole It's a valid career as much as, you know, being a doctor, being a creative, there is always going to be that demand um, for people that want to, you know, want to go to the, the movies. They want to go to the theatre, um, read books, listen to podcasts. So yeah. um, I think it's important as long as there's a demand for it. Mm. It's a career. So were you um, good at school? I would say I was an in-betweener. I was quite average. Right, uh, yeah. I I sort of did well at school, but let's just say I didn't study hard. Right, um, yeah. Me so, too. Yeah, in the middle. Sort of keep your head down, yeah. not get in trouble, but not try as much as you should. No, there was no A-stars, put it that way. No, yeah, yeah. I remember having a, a teacher at film production, and she didn't know who I was, and she said, well, I assume you must be good, like a good uh, student. I was like, well, I just hide a lot yeah. <laughs> that's why you don't know yeah <laughs> so did you do were you into creative subjects from an um, early age yeah i think when you're younger you kind of you have the usual goals of i want to be an actor i want to be a director and i think i was more the actor side wanting to do that so i did a lot of drama so i did theater studies uh a level um i was in a theater school um i also did a level art as well so so yeah sort of more creative right. side of things and um, do you think that led at what point did VFX um, happen for you was it early on or did it happen sort of late I think a bit later so uh, I didn't go to uni straight away because right. um, I had the idea of in this industry uh, you know a qualification isn't important you've just got to be a runner get your foot in the door um, I quickly realised that that wasn't going to materialise very quickly mm-hmm. Um and so I looked out for uni courses as kind of like to help me sort of uh, learn a bit more of my niche, I suppose, about the, you know, sort of a media studies course or something like that. And then I sort of stumbled across a, a degree called special effects design. Um, it was a kind of unique course that covered the broad spectrum of effects. Um, I would say I probably wanted to do special effects more when I first right. got into the industry, um, which is more uh, the physical stuff. So anything that's in camera mm. is usually considered a special effect and anything right. that's done in post is usually considered a visual effect. So being more creative, having an art background, I think I thought that's the way I wanted to go. Yeah. Um, I think where I sort of went in that direction was probably watching films like Jurassic Park. Mm. And then you start to think, oh, my God, how do they do that? I want to do it. And I think that's where I went away from the more acting kind of career to the more I want to make these things. I want to be part of the film in that capacity. Right. Um, so, yeah, I went to uni and this course, what was brilliant about this course is it covered every range of effect you could sort of think of. You had um, floor effects like smoke, wind, rain, you know, that kind of uh, side of things. You had special effects. We did prosthetics, um, pyrotechnics, and we did visual effects as well. And at uni, that was probably my weakest subject, okay. doing stuff on the computer. Yeah. So I never thought, even at uni, that that's the way I would go. And even my final uh, degree uh, sort of project was, it was making a film. And there was a bit of editing and post visual effects involved, but that wasn't really what my focus was. Um, So I left uh, uni and obviously did the usual applying for jobs, runner jobs in the industry. 
and it just so happened that this opportunity came up first. Um, someone was speaking to someone and passed on my CV uh, and I thought, oh, well, it's, it's visual effects, but it's a foot in the door. Mm. I'll take it. Um, and when I started, I thought, well, I want to be an artist, a visual effects artist. So I want to do modeling. So taking what I've learned practically, I thought, well, I could learn this and, and you know, get better at this in, in visual effects. Once I started, I slowly realized that actually my forte was more the production side of things. Right. So it wasn't until I was actually running in the industry that I suddenly realized that production was the way I wanted to go and visual effects was the way I wanted to stay. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because when you mentioned Jurassic Park, it's it's very famous for being a sort of a visual effects film, but is mostly practical effects. It's yeah. like 80% practical. So it's interesting yeah. that's the one that inspired you. I guess at that point it was just special effects in general, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, the sort of how did they create this, this world? Right. Um, and it was, yeah, the animatronics. Uh, at uni I did sort of do a dinosaur head and all of this because yeah, that was yeah. what, I, what I enjoyed um, but yeah I think that was especially the first one it was more uh, practical special effects mm. yeah are there any other films that inspired you along the way too many I, I feel like I'm on the spot here now I can't think <laughs> no, of any um, there's so many films um, sometimes I think the films for me personally knowing now visual effects are when you don't know what's been done Right. So it's not these big, you know, monsters, robots and all the, you know, big effects and things where you think, or, you know, other worlds where you're like, well, this is definitely visual effects. Sometimes yeah. when you come out and you think, oh, I couldn't tell if they did that in camera or if they did that after. Right. I appreciate those as well. Yeah, that was something I wanted to talk to you about was because I think um, visual effects get a lot of uh, flack. Um, yes, they do. Especially... Uh, more recent times as well as people really hate it and i can see where people are coming from because it seems to be taking up you know the industry and yeah. special especially in sort of box office films and things um but i think as well that people forget how important it is and how great of a tool it is of like you were saying when you don't notice it that's when it's it's working right um for me anyway um because a lot of people think sort of say like oh did you see this film like wasn't it wonderfully shot didn't it look fantastic but if i know that what i saw was all digitally like um, created i think oh, that's impressive that they did that but you know from an art standpoint from an emotional standpoint i don't take anything away from it but yeah. when i think oh i don't know like how did they do that or was that film like that that's when i enjoy it is that the same with yeah, you yeah I, I think that is it depends on the type of effect you're doing, but a lot of the time that is what you're trying to achieve, I think, in visual effects. Is it's, it's, you know, you're watching something and you have your suspension of disbelief and you want to not be taken out of that and realise that, oh, this is actually made, you know, it, it's not real. Um, so any moment where there's a bad visual effect, mm. I think that that can take you out of the story and, and you know, crush your suspension of disbelief. Um and there are obviously things that sometimes it's a useful tool where something's a bit too dangerous to do. So there could be a stunt where it's being done in camera, but the actor is so expensive to ensure that that explosion that's right behind them might be put in afterwards. Yeah. So it still is being done for real, but we're just kind of helping, aiding the story. And mm. I think sometimes um, people don't look at it that way. They're actually helping the story. We're not trying to take over and... and 
you know, okay, look what we can do. We don't need anyone else. I think people need to look at it as another tool, like, you know, with this, the sound, with the special effects, with the set design, we're all trying to help tell this story. Um, and you just need to look at the film. Does it need visual effects in this story? And will it help the story? Um, mm. And not just think, yeah, put it in just because for the sake of it. Um, and then not leave it out because you're against it, you know. Even things like um, cleanup. So you could be doing a period drama and it's it's just more cost effective for uh, for us to paint it out, like all the modern features on a street right. in post than, um, than to try and do it for real because there could be reasons why they can't remove modern features um, yeah. So when we're, we're just sort of there in the background, we're cleaning things up. We're not trying to take over the story. Um, but I think that would be where it helped. And you'd be silly to sort of go, well, I'm not going to do it. Let's just try and cover it up or take everything off, off a, you know, all the lamps off the, on a street because it's it's a Victorian street or something like that. You yeah, know? yeah. We can just help do that, and it it makes it easier. Sometimes when you're shooting things on set, you don't have time to mm. to, to sort of set up uh, a, a shot. Um, so we can help you save time in post. Yeah, I think the thing is, well, yeah, for, for people who aren't maybe as um, into uh, film or the film industry as much, they probably, they, they see the visual effects and get annoyed by it, but might not think about how there's probably budget reasons that things might have been yeah, done. Yeah, sometimes. Because, yeah. I mean, that's it seems that um, as creative as film and TV is, it's all about, money really of how much money do you have what can you spend it on yeah. especially it seems in the I, I might be wrong but in the British film industry and the British TV industry is that a lot of the time it's like oh you could you know you could get this actor or um, I think actually Graham Duff said this in one of my podcasts where he said like you know we could go to this actor or if you get cheaper catering you can get this actor and, and things like that yeah there's a compromise and, and also sometimes you have a set budget for production and a set budget for post-production right so you might have spent all your money in one area and then you're kind of thinking well I've only got the budget now to do it afterwards mm. rather than buying buying this set I can actually you know finish the set like set extension and finish that in post and that yeah. would be a lot cheaper and my budget I have is in you know post-production mm. and I guess things as well like um, shooting if you're trying to shoot a night scene but you're shooting in the day say obviously there's a lot of lighting things you can do but you can easily change the sky and things like that in post yes yeah so you could yeah apply it afterwards right um, and that can help people so you know you can plan for a shoot and then on the day it's not quite what you expected and you could add it in after obviously that all depends on the lighting if it's a, a sort of you know overcast day and you're trying to do shoot something on a sunny day, there is only so much we can do because you've got to think of the interactive lighting on the actors and, and people and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, subtle changes. You know, if it's a bit of a few grey clouds in the sky and you want it to look like nice white fluffy clouds, we can do that afterwards. Yeah. And you don't have to rearrange all that crew for another day just to get the right sky. You right. Know? That's where it makes sense yeah, to yeah. use visual effects. You know, it's it's not that they can't they can do it, but it just makes sense for that day. Yeah. Let's do that shoot and move on. Do you ever get annoyed? Do you find yourself getting angry of the the view? 
that people have? Sometimes it's frustrating. I can I can see, you know, having been on the special effects sort of side before and, and that being my passion, I was kind of thinking, well, yeah, we can do it for real. It's better for, I think, say, for example, for actors, if they're acting to a something that's actually there mm. rather than a, a man in a green suit, yeah. shall we say, then that's obviously going to help everyone get into that um you know that atmosphere that character on set and that really that does a lot for them mm. um and i think that's why i appreciate that yeah people might not like visual effects and, and see the negative side but the things you can do in post it does frustrate me to answer your question yeah, yeah. when they people just don't even listen to the potential or agree that maybe we can help you it's not that we're trying to take over yeah, yeah. um and I think some of the old school um, people, they are a little bit more against it. And sometimes I wonder if that's because they just don't, they're not, you know, um, experienced in it and they're not used to using it. So mm. they're a bit cautious of it and they think it might ruin what they're making. Right. Um, but then when you sort of show them the final product, they're like, oh, I see now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's one good example, I suppose. We were doing something and we were shooting uh, people against green screen. And it was frustrating the director because he was like, come on, we need to move on. We need to do another shot. Like, why are you shooting all these people against green screen? Um, and later on, what we did is, is it was uh, a, a wide shot where there were lots of people walking around. Right. Um, and we put, we'd put them in afterwards and we'd created this massive Georgian world. Yeah. And afterwards he went, I get it now. I yeah. get what you were doing. And it was just because he didn't understand at the time on set why we were doing these extra things and shooting people against green screen. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes that's my frustration is let us show you how we can help you yeah. before you just throw it out straight away. Did he not ask? I th it was explained to him, but I think until you see literally the bigger picture and you see this, this finished product, he, right, he yeah. gets how valid it was. He understood what we were doing it for. Um, but then he appreciated how much better we made the shot by not using digi doubles we use real people we just yeah. shot them separately and put them in afterwards um and i think maybe they you know if you're inexperienced you might just assume that we would put all those people in digitally afterwards mm. you know not real people but um yeah that's what i'd say is if people give it a chance and see what kind of effect might help them you don't, it's not about big effects, it can be subtle ones as well. When you said uh, earlier about your CV was passed around and stuff, was it to here, directly to this place? Uh, no, I didn't. Well, I didn't start here. Um, I started at a place called The Mill. Right. Um, and that's very much more commercials, but they did have a TV and film department at the time. Um, so I'd sent my CV out to lots and lots of different people. Um, but it just happened that my brother actually was uh, was working for someone and they worked at the mill. Oh, okay. Uh, he was doing some fitting a kitchen or something like that. Right. Um, and they just said, yeah, pass on pass on uh, her CV. I'll, I'll pass it on to, to HR. And luckily they were looking for runners at the time. So that's kind of how I got my foot in the door there. Mm. Um, and then I stayed there for a while until I moved up and into the production department. And then unfortunately they shut down the TV and film department uh, and made a lot of us redundant. So then I moved on to another company called Milk. 
Okay. Um, and I was there for about five or six years, and now I've moved here. So. And were you always uh, a VFX producer? No. So you start off uh, usually as a runner, um, and then you would become a production assistant. So a production assistant would be more kind of just helping out, maybe taking notes and typing them up. Right. Um, you know, photocopying scripts and, you know, just kind of anything that kind of assists the production team as you're kind of learning, learning the ropes and then the industry. Um, then you then you would move up to a production coordinator. And as the name suggests, you're coordinating the team. You're making sure the artists have all their work, that they know what they're doing. They know their deadlines. Um, so you do thing called rounds. So you go around with the supervisor and you check everyone and right. check everyone's working on the right shot. Um, and then you could potentially, if it's a, depending on the size of the project, there's a sort of another step where you could be a line manager, right. uh, sorry, a line producer. Um, and a line producer, normally you would get a line producer would be on a big film. They would be almost producing a sequence, okay. uh, a section of the big project. Right. Um, and then you have project managers that would then oversee all of the line producers. And then you have a producer. Right. That's more the film structure. Okay. Um, a TV structure is generally more um, production assistant, coordinator, and then producer. So, and depending on the scale of the project. Right. So, how? What exactly would you say that you do? Well, I would terms. say, in simple terms, I would say at the beginning of a project, um, so this is when you're trying to win the project, you would either receive a script or you might receive a quick time with some shots on it. And my first task would be to break that down. Either they would say, these are the shots we want, or they would say, here's a script. What do you think is a visual effects shot? Um, that's very much open to interpretation. Right. So um, you could, you kind of usually say, how much money do you have? What's your budget? Then you get, it gives you an idea of how crazy they're gonna go with the visual effects. Um, so you go through, you break it down, um, you put it into a bidding document we use here, which is called FileMaker, which is quite um, quite widely used in the industry. That or Excel, that's kind of how they do bids. So you'd break it all down, put it all in uh, a document, and then you would cost up each shot, decide the methodology, like how you would achieve it. Um, there's usually many ways you can do it. Um, depending on the effect again, mm. uh, break that all down. So you, you'd build all that together, then you send that to the client. So that would be like the first step you do as a, a producer. And then once you win the job, hopefully, um, you then start setting up the project. So the production team would get everything ready. We use software here called uh, Shotgun. Again, a very widely used uh, yeah. tool in the industry. And that's a way of tracking the whole project, so tracking all the shots. Uh, for each shot you have, you assign people to that shot, um, you write what they need to do, you put how many frames it is, if there's a re-speed you need to apply, like anything that needs to be done to the shot, all that information goes in this database. Um, and then any feedback you got, get feedback gets tracked in that shot as well. So it's really, really great tool. And production essentially are in charge of running that, making sure it's all neat and tidy, that all the information's in there. Um, and then that we are just speaking to the artists, updating the supervisor about what's going on, and just kind of trying to run the project, essentially. Okay. Um, and then when uh, when shots are ready, you would call people into this like a screening room like we're in now. Mm -hmm. 
we would play the shots and it would be our responsibility to take any notes, to flag any sort of priority shots. Like, uh, say the supervisor gave feedback, we'd say, well, we need to send a version of this today, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, and then eventually when the cl they were ready to show it to the clients, we'd kind of do the same thing, in, like in this room, we'd bring the clients in. It, I would be the client-facing person, so the producer would be client-facing along with the supervisor. And we would be literally presenting the shots to them saying, you know, do you like this? Is it approved? Uh, have you got any feedback notes? Um, and then after that, we would feed it back to the artists um, and keep doing that again until it's all approved and, and the show is delivered. Mm. Um, so that's very layman's terms of right, right. what we do. award on the table next yes. to us. Do you want to talk a little about what it was, what it is, sorry? Yes, so um, it's an Emmy Award. I was very lucky to be part of a team that, that, that won, uh, right. uh, I think about three years ago now, uh, for Sherlock, uh, The Abominable Bride. Um, and what happens with awards, it's very much like people win the award, but it is the whole team. Right. So you put forward to for an award but you have to put down a certain number of names okay. um, and being a producer I was very lucky that my name gets put in the hat okay. for that so that's why I have an award um, and the great thing about an Emmy is that it belongs to you forever Yeah. so it doesn't belong to the company so if you went you know I've been on projects um, like Doctor Who where we've won BAFTAs mm. but that belongs to the company Okay. Um, but an Emmy is yours forever so why do you think you won this specifically? I think um the popularity of Sherlock was definitely something that helped us. Right. Um, there are also two categories um, for the Emmys. It's um, best, best special and visual effects and best supporting visual and special effects. And supporting is kind of where it's more invisible effects when it's kind of, it's helping to tell the story. So it's not like there's a big creature in it. Mm. And on this occasion, this was set in Victorian times. We were doing set extensions. We were, we were kind of creating that Victorian world. And that's, I think, what helped us win is these sort of beautiful uh, matte paintings and yeah. some really, there's some really um, beautiful shots in this that we'd worked on. Um, so I think, yes, if that explains it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just some beautiful work and the popularity of the show, I think, really helped us. I think it's a good thing to have in your CV as well, I suppose. It is, yes. Yeah. Um, very much so. Projects I've got that you have worked on. Yes. Ex Machina. Yes. Free Fire. Yes. Um, uh, Le Mis. Yeah. Sherlock. Um, Altered Carbon. So the main thing I want to discuss is sort of, and you might have mentioned already, um, the main differences between working on film and TV and also Netflix, if there's a much of a difference between working with Netflix and other things? Yeah, I would say that, the, yeah, there are definitely differences. Um, so I guess when you're looking at TV and film, the first thing is the budget. Right. Generally, film have a lot more money mm -hmm. and a, 
and they do have per shot they do have more time so a tv would have a limited budget and they would have an air date that they need to stick to so yeah. kind of I wouldn't say the quality levels go down, but there is a certain level that you get to when you're making, you're creating a shot in TV where people might say that is good enough for TV. Right. They're not going to be looking at it on a 4K screen uh, or a cinema screen, for example. Mm. These days, it's it is changing. Yeah. Um. You, uh, and Netflix is an example. Um. They you kind of they are showing things with a lot higher quality now. They are expecting more. Um, and a, one difference between TV and film is normally the budget. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot more money in, in film. With the introduction of things like Netflix, that again is changing. So you do have a bigger budget now in TV, which is brilliant for us because, yeah. um, you know, when you have a better budget, you can put more time and, and energy into these shots and make them even better. So yeah. where, where in the past it was do it well enough to, to sort of fit the TV criteria. Now we can push the boundaries a bit more and pushing it more towards the quality of film. Yeah, I think that's that's great as well because like you were saying, there was always a definitive like difference. It was like yeah. film was, you know, lower budget and no, sorry, TV was low budget uh, compared to film. And then, and also film seemed to be a, a higher art form let's say people seem yeah. to that was always the more um sort of respected kind of thing uh, generally um and then y you have shows like sopranos and things that sort of changed that and it was like oh tv yeah. is now more uh, intellectual let's say um i did the air marks for anyone listening <laughs> um and then yeah now with netflix is that the difference between budget is changing as well so yeah. it's a much more blurred um which i think is is great. I, um, is that how you feel as well? Yeah, I think it is great. Um, with TV, but yeah, as I said before, being restrained by a budget, you could only do so much, and you, you'd want to do more, but you have to fit what the client can afford to do. Yeah. Um, the only kind of the downside is you are then expected to hit this higher quality, but you still don't have the time that right. you would have in sometimes film. Yeah. I say sometimes because they do work to crazy deadlines as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but essentially per shot, that kind of deadline. So I think it's great that the quality levels are going up, but we just hope that that is also um, reflected that, that you get a bit more time to work on these things as well. Right. Um, but is, yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. Is there, you might not have an answer for this, but is there either a project that you've worked on for visual effects and things that you would, if you had the chance, go back and change and make better or different in any way uh, and or someone else's project, so TV or, or film project that you've seen that you think, oh, I think they should have done this with the visual effects instead? Um off the top of my head i can't think of any kind of anything that i would say oh we, we could improve mm. um trying to think of an example i think there's always uh, being creative you will always be critical of your work right. and you'll always see what you can improve mm -hmm. um so broadly i think there is always room for improvement sometimes i might look back at something and think well that could have been managed better uh, you know scheduled better that right. kind of thing i could look at it that way um, in terms of the quality of the work. Sometimes there are shots where you do look at and think, yeah, if we'd had more time, that would have been nicer to 
to yeah. sort of have, you know, work on that a bit more. Do you um, think it's right though to ever go back and change it? Um, I th- I think again it depends what you're changing. Yeah. Uh, if it makes the story better. Right. And for the audience, then yeah, I think it's worth it. Mm. If I think you're just being critical of your work, then it's not. Um, I've worked on things before where, due to the quick turnaround, it wasn't, say, the proudest work we've ever done. Right. But when I speak to my friends who are Joe Public and the audience, they that wasn't even a consideration for them. They yeah. thought it was, it was a, a very, you know, well liked show, and that's all they cared about was the storyline. Mm. So, where I would say, on that show, I won't name it, that yeah. I think we definitely could have done a lot better given more time. And I'd love to have gone back and made it look nicer because you kind of, as the creator, you cringe when you look at those shots. Yeah. But for the for the audience, that was aired, it was well-liked, it had great ratings, and now they've moved on. Mm. So in a way, there is no point to revisit it. Yeah. Um, you, you could look at films these days that are coming out that are almost revisiting it. Look at all these Disney films that come out. They are creating more realistic creatures you know like the lion king or the Aladdin. they're retelling the story and they are and you know i'm very always very skeptical when i go and watch i think why touch something that's it's yeah. done and it's been done well it's well loved but then when you look at the the quality of it you think this is amazing look what they're doing and i think as long as they're not just making it for the sake of we can do it better now mm-hmm that's kind of the wrong attitude to have sometimes. Yeah. But I think I think if we're, we're retelling this story and using the improved technology, we're, we're going to sort of tell it again and sell it to a new audience, then, yeah, that's fine. Mm. Um, I think, in my opinion, and this does not reflect the opinion of you or Double Negative, um, especially with the new Disney remakes, it just seems pointless to me. It just seems like they're making worse versions of classics every time. And as, yeah. as 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 impressive as the visuals are, I just don't see the point. Yeah, some some of them I watch and I think this is this is beautifully made, mm. but I wouldn't have been disappointed if they'd just kept the original at yeah. the same time. It, um, they're not I don't I just don't see what they're adding other than money. I don't know. And I think what you said earlier is very important about if it changes the story or improves the story because the, the famous example would, would be Star Wars about how many times the original Star Wars have been changed over and over again. And I feel like that is, you could condense everyone's complaints about that into, well, it's not improving the story, so why do it? It's just, just adding things on is not yeah. changing anything. So, yeah, I think and, that's important. I mean, don't get me wrong, they are, some of them are beautifully made, some of these new films, and I yeah. think the hard work that's gone into it, I appreciate that side of it. Yeah. Um, but I also think there are so many more stories out there that you can tell. So mm-hmm. put that money in, into into that. Yeah. new stories, that's just how I feel. Because it's hard as well, especially when, when you're making things yourselves. You don't want to just see the new uh, Disney remake or whatever and just be like, ah. Oh, that's crap and just write off because you're writing off like thousands of people's hard work right but also you know your subjective view on art is if you don't like it then you don't like it so I think it's hard to find that line you know yeah even something if you look far back as say Jason and the Argonauts Mm. um, that's another film that got me into the sort of effect side of things although you look at it now and it is 
terrible if you compared it to what the world it is you know the quality of work now when I look back at that I wouldn't want anyone to touch that because that's what makes it amazing because at that time that technology was you know it was well ahead of its time yeah for what they were doing and how they were, were editing it and, and the effects that they were applying to it and yes you could slate it now but you've got to appreciate the time it was made yeah and and not th- of course you can make it better but what but you don't need to I yeah i think oh well, film and, and and so many and, and much of art is so great as like a, a history um you know standpoint or whatever yeah just to to go back and and it reflects the time and that's what's so great about it yeah and why muddy that again with with star wars being the, the obvious example was is now that you think of the original star wars you're sort of blending the late 70s with like the late 90s and it's like well where i don't know where to think you know <laughs> i don't does that make sense yeah you got yeah you you become critical but then it's 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 its own its category it's its own era you can't compare the new stuff to the old stuff yeah as well I, I, there's a um a youtube channel called red letter media that i watch a lot and they they recently did a um the re- they call it a review because they're reviewing old things okay. and of Gremlins 2 and they were talking about that and obviously for a long time there's been talks about a remake of Gremlins I don't know if you know about that at all uh, not specifically no, no. well I just thought I'd see um, <laughs> yeah there's been talk about that for a long time and what their fears are which, I, which once they said it I was like oh, of course that makes so much sense is that you know, it's very likely that if they remade Gremlins or did a new version of Gremlins, that the Gremlins will probably be CGI or at least a lot of CGI yeah. bits, like of of their like you know you can you can then have thousands of Gremlins running down corridors and things like that. But the whole point of Gremlins were the puppets, right? You wouldn't make a what they said was you wouldn't make a new Muppets and CGI the Muppets. Oh God, no, that would ruin it. Exactly, I would, I would refuse to work on that. <laughs> CG Muppets, no, has to be puppets. Yeah, and that's the, I think that's the kind of the point that a lot of people have with, especially remakes of again, like we were saying earlier, just because you can with CGI doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Um, I think another another good example is if you look at sort of claymation, mm. look at the Wallace and Gromit's and things like that. Yes, you could actually now make that CG, and you, you, there's even I think a kid, a kid Shaun the Sheep on telly, and it's CG. Yeah, yeah, I think a few but films have been there. I think the beauty of these films is is how is you knowing the work that's gone into it. Yeah, the amazing kind of hours and hours of of filming just to get these shots. Yeah, um, and if they did CG, I just wouldn't appreciate it as much. Mm. Um, although it might seem easier. Not saying it is. That's it's that's a different conversation. But yeah, yeah. But looking at it, I pref- I prefer the claymation in Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, um, they did do one shot in in one of the films where they needed to do it because they couldn't achieve it. They did it in CG. But what was that? I think it was. The, is it the Were Rabbit or the, 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 the Yes, yeah, when they're sort of in this capsule and they're all flying around. Right. Uh, all these rabbits. That was just one shot that they had to do. Yeah. in CG just to sort of tell the story. Apart from that, they, they achieved everything else sort of in camera, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. And you can see that, again, that's why they needed effects, visual effects, but otherwise it wasn't necessary. And yeah. it would, I think, ruin it if they used it too much. And I didn't even notice. Yes. So, so. it was just, again, it was a story point that they needed to do it. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, for me, you just don't need, 
you don't need to redo that mm. that kind of film. So, with the projects you've worked on, are there any that are your have been your favourite? I don't know if does it because as a producer, do you have that connection artistically with or creatively with a project, or is it just sort of more the logistics and things? I definitely think you have to be creative or or have an interest uh, to work as a producer because right. you have to understand what's being done and you have yeah. to, um, you know, and be critical of what's being done. Um, I'm more creative side, I think. Um, although I am, I can be organized and that's why I, I, I do this, this side of, yeah. of the visual effects role. Um, but yeah, I think, I can't remember the question now. Do you have like a favorite project? A favorite project, that's it. Um, again, I think that it depends what I'm looking at. Um, but there are projects that have been very much enjoyable to work on. Mm. Um, one of my favourite projects was when I was starting out early in the sort of producer role um, was a, a TV show called Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which was shown right. on the BBC. I think I watched an episode. It was, it was yeah. a few years ago now. But I really enjoyed working on that because the clients were lovely, the quality of acting was lovely, the sets were beautiful, the work we did I thought was really good and... Although it wasn't the the most popular thing when it came out, I just really enjoyed that journey of working on it. Mm. Um, and then when sort of I've worked on something like Sherlock, it's that excitement of working on something that is so you know so well loved and well known. You can yeah. be you feel proud of working on a project like that, even if it's not the most sexy shots that you're working on. Um, and then there's other sh- other uh, sort of things like ex ex machina ex machina. There's however you say it. Yeah. Everyone says it a different way. Um, working with such an amazing director, um, working on such beautiful shots. That's why I enjoyed that. So mm. I think every, every project has, um, you know, um, a reason why you enjoy it. Um, there's projects that haven't haven't been so so much enjoyable, so enjoyable to work on. But the team that I've worked with has made it an amazing experience, an amazing project to work on. Even if the work wasn't quite, you know, um, right. my favourite work. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have, with, again, I think we briefly mentioned it earlier, but do you have the thing where you instantly uh, dislike, cringe, hate anything you've made? Because that's, I mean, me and a lot of people, as you're starting out in the creative world, you definitely have that. Of every new project, you're like, well, this is great and everything else I've done is crap. Yeah. Do you have that at, at this sort of level in the in this sort of industry? I think so because you know technology and things are improving all the time. Mm. So you always look back and think now things have improved. You can see uh, the sort of errors in your old work and yeah. And sometimes you look back and you know that that shot was uh, was rushed out. So yeah. you kind of think, oh, I, I, I wish we'd had more time on that shot. you that I've not asked anyone okay <laughs> and it's kind of something I've been avoiding there's a few things I would like I would try not to ever ask because either they contrive or pointless or whatever uh, and a reason I don't normally ask this 
is, and I'm keeping you in suspense, yeah. it's not that crazy, <laughs> don't worry, um, is just because these, it normally gets answered during the interview, but I feel like people who want to get, specifically want to get into visual effects, will be annoyed of me that I didn't specifically ask yeah. this question, even if there's no straight answer, just to not annoy them. What would you say to people who are trying to get into VFX? How, what would you, what advice, what would you tell them to do? Escape Studios is a place that I would recommend that um, you go to outside of a university degree. They would make you industry ready. They would um, make sure that you have a showreel at the end of it. They would teach you all the software um, that is actually being used in the industry at the moment. Um, from my experience of going to uni, I learned software that was outdated. So once I joined right. the industry, I realized that actually I have learned some valuable tools on this, on old software, but I still need to learn the new software. Yeah. So um, yeah, to be a visual effects artist, I would look into Escape Studios. Um, okay. It's very expensive, but it is worth it. And if you're in these days with the debt you get into with uh, university degrees, it's kind of, it's all relevant, it, relative. So. Yeah, yeah. So, you might as well. At this yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of production, um, Escape Studios are doing, I believe, some courses now. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say that you need to do a course for production. Production's very much initiative and learning, learning as you go, so to right. speak. I had a lot of office experience, and I think that really helped. A lot of admin background. Um, being organised is definitely helpful. Mm. Um, but spending money on a course is valuable, but its production is not as essential. Experience is more essential, I think. Uh, work experience just... There you go. Episode six. A very interesting conversation, I think, with Natalie Reed about the visual effects industry. I never wanted to ask you know that question of how do you get in the industry what would you suggest blah, blah that stuff gets asked all the time and it never helps anyone never goes anywhere but i felt like with vfx there's certain people that you know would would just like to know the actual steps um because that kind of thing is is sort of unknown to the public i think of how, what what do you actually do at least for me anyway so i thought you know just to ask and, and see if it helps. And I, d I think it did actually help in the end. So, yeah. Anyway, if you like this, make sure to follow the podcast on SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, etc. All of that will be linked down below. Um, but for now, thanks to Toby Morgan for the graphics, Danny Young, Tom Harrison, and Luke Perrett for their music. Thanks for listening. Until next time, bye. Bye.